You're listening to On Human Rights, where we talk to experts around the world on the latest and most important issues concerning human rights and international humanitarian law. This week, we're coming to you from the middle of the Baltic Sea on the island of Gotland. Here, all week, a political festival called Amadalen is kicked off. Politicians, academics, the civil society, and the business community all come together to meet, debate, and mingle. This year, though, there's been a ton of controversy because a militant neo-Nazi group called the Nordic Resistance Movement was given permission to attend the festival. This kicked off a firestorm of debate with some groups boycotting and others strongly criticizing and appealing the decision. It brings up many difficult questions about freedom of speech and assembly as well as protecting people from hate speech and even violence. To address these questions, we gathered a group to discuss the issues. We have our director, Morten Kerum, and we also have with us then Hannah Yerdes, a lawyer who has worked for the Swedish Foundation for Human Rights and who today works with legal advisory, advocacy, and human rights training, as well as John Stauffer, who is the legal director at the NGO Civil Rights Defenders. Enjoy. Yeah. So we are here at uh, Almadalen, and uh, we have had... Uh, uh, all of us, I think, fascinating discussions uh, throughout uh, the beginning of this week on, on all sorts of issues. But there's uh, one issue which is uh, sort of uh, in all the corners uh, of, of this place, uh, has been even before we started and probably also will afterwards, and that is what do we do with the extreme right wing, with the fascists uh, and their presence? Uh, as we know, they have been uh, allowed to, uh, to be here. And, and that has uh, now been a, a big discussion, as it should be. Uh, and, uh, and I'm here to, we're here to discuss uh, how do we see that? How do we actually relate to uh, the presence of the extreme right wing, the fascist, uh, in a democratic setting like this? So uh, I would like to start with you, John, to hear uh, what you have taken from the civil rights defenders, uh, some very specific initiatives. So I think it could be very useful to, to hear about that first. Yeah, I mean, we've uh, taken legal action in terms of the permission that the, uh, uh, the Nordic resistance movement has, has gotten from the police uh, and to challenge it, to see how effective... Uh, the legislation is in, in terms of banning this this kind of um, activities uh, from from uh, the right wing movement. Uh, so, uh, I mean, that's something that we, as an organisation, try to do in all our human rights work to see how we can use the the legal mechanisms, the, the legislation, in order to to promote the the respect for human rights. Yeah, of course it is. It is absurd to have a place of where democratic discussions unfold and then invite uh, people on board uh, who actually wants to dismantle the very democracy. So, uh, Anna, what, what is your uh, take on it? How, how do you, what do you think about what civil rights defenders have done? Well, I mean, what we can see very clearly is that this really affects the space of civil society. Uh, there is a lot of organizations that have chosen not to come to Almadalen. Um, some as a statement and some people on a personal level because they feel afraid. And this is a big problem, of course, uh, in a democratic society. Um, so I think that's an important starting point. And then, of course, we have the important question, what can you do and do about it uh, from a legal perspective, from a political perspective? Um, in Sweden, we have, for a very long time, no matter what kind of government we've had, had the attitude that the freedom of assembly, the freedom of organizations, uh, is so important, human rights, that we don't want to um, intrude on them. 
Uh, and therefore, even though we've been very criticized for a long time uh, by the UN for not having any kind of ban on these kind of racist or extremist uh, organizations, we have always said this is not the way to go. So uh, a big discussion right now is actually wh- where do we go from here? Uh, and what can we do with the legislation that we have today, which is what civil rights defenders are trying to test, which I think is really important, uh, but also to see, is the legislation we have today enough, or do we need some other kind of legislation? So it's a lot of important questions right now that are on the table. But if we start with the, the current legislation and, uh, and sort of say we have what is so far uh, a legal organization, uh, it has not been banned, so in that way it's legal. Uh, and with that follows, I assume, that uh, you can assemble, you can speak, you can have the same rights as, as everyone else. So I was just wondering, John, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you sort of say differentiate here? Because you are addressing their presence and sort of their, the permission they got yeah. and uh, not the very existence of the organization. Right. Now we focus on their presence here and mm. the permission that they've gotten from the police. So our argument, and, and the, the police in there, when they look at, uh, at an application for a permission and when they give a permission, they will, look, they will primarily look at the security aspects. Are there any risks uh, connected to a demonstration or a presence, for example, here in Almedalen? So, of course, we've argued from that perspective uh, that there is a risk for you know, in terms of security with their presence here. And we've looked at what the members of this organization has done in the past. And, and I mean, a lot, a lot of them are, um, you know, have been uh, convicted of serious crime. And, you know, right now they're, they're being charged for blowing up a bomb in, in Gothenburg. So it's, it's very serious. So based on that, we argue that there is a security aspect and risk with having them here, in particular in in this context where we have human rights organizations present, where we have politicians present, all of these, and not least minority groups present, uh, sexual minorities, uh, ethnic minorities, all people that these organizations view as their targets and uh, that they are, you know really focusing on on how to uh, uh, attack these people so that's our argument but I think there is also another level of uh, uh, that we need to discuss which is maybe not only connected to security issues but also from a democratic point of view how where do we draw, draw the line in terms of allowing organizations uh, to to uh, have these propaganda activities uh, because as Hannah is saying based on international law we have as as a member state of the UN and uh, the conventions an obligation to ban these organizations and to ban their propaganda activities but I think the legislation that we have today is we're not banning the organizations but we're not we don't have the tools to ban um, in an effective way, also their propaganda activities. And I think I, that's a problem. I guess you could could ban their propaganda activity if they transgress the when they transgress the borderline, 
I guess the, the challenge is if you do it on beforehand, whether you say you come here and we know you're going to come forward with these statements, so we now forbid you doing it. I mean, and that's sort of, in my vocabulary, uh, what we in the old days called censorship. Uh, and uh, is, I mean, and if I draw a parallel, uh, and of course the parallel is, is not fair, I fully recognize that, but I think we sort of see some of the same the same approach in some of the LGBT pride parades in Eastern Central European countries where yes you can you can exist you can do it if you but if you're going to meet you go a hundred kilometers into a forest and then you can uh, speak to the trees and uh, and there of course we are sort of say opposing that uh, so are we not sort of say we are in a, in, in a very difficult room no, I totally w- agree with you, and that's why, I mean, me, I, I'm a, b- a bit ambivalent uh, against which way we should go forward here, because I think we should have a legislation that is very clear on actions, so actions, uh, violence, threats. Uh, but when we start talking about having um, forbidden organizations, for me, that's not so clear from a human rights perspective. And, uh, I mean, this is not a new question. It's been going on. I mean, we've had this with us, working with human rights for, like, last, I don't know, 20 years. But right now, it's really... Th- this example of what's happening in Almedalna right now really puts it at a, a test. Mm. And it also puts our values at a test, because can we really have other values when it comes to this than we have when it comes to other... I mean, it's it's really difficult. I wish I had a clear answer on that. I, I don't think I really have, so... <laughs> that, was, that was exactly why I asked for this uh, conversation, yeah, yeah, yeah. because you are pointing to it. It's utterly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it really is. You could also... We talked about should we should we ban them? And, and at the same time, we are talking about shrinking space yeah. uh, for civil society at the global level, that civil society have less... And, and if we are then advocating the same for those that we do not like, um, it's... Yeah, I mean, I agree. These are very difficult questions, and, and there is, it's, it's very difficult to draw the line. I think it's very important to have this discussion, uh, because we, we need to have a legislation in place that is effective in terms of, of uh, preventing racism and hate crime and discrimination. Uh, and we don't today. I mean, we have the legislation, but in practice, we see how uh, hate crime is increasing, uh, in particular uh, targeting certain groups in society. Uh, we see that the level of, of uh, putting people before a court in, when it comes to hate crime, we, only a very small percentage uh, of, of people, of, of the... Uh, the um, uh, the police investigations end up in, in the court. Uh, and that, I think that's a problem. So the legislation as such might be good, but it's not effective. Uh, so how, how, do we, how do we combat racism and hate crime then if the, legisla- the current legislation is not effective as, as such? And I think then we need at least to discuss uh, the issue of, of uh, prohibition uh, but I also think before we go that far I think we need to look at propaganda activities how do we ban them and and of course you're right when when they reach the level of hate crime hate speech then they you know then they should be um, 
it should be brought to, to the attention of the police and, and the prosecutor. Uh, but propaganda activities is much broader than, than hate speech. Um, yeah. Well, and also I think there's some other, I mean, things you have to think about here. Even if you do have a ban, it doesn't mean that I would actually automatically say that we even could ban uh, this organization, because if you look at the, for example, German model, if it if it's even uh, supposed to be possible to ban an organization, it has to actually constitute a real threat to democracy. And if it's supposed to constitute a real threat to democracy, it has to have a certain size. So th- th- there is also, like in, in Germany, it's only like two organizations, I think, that's been banned in the 50s. So it's like even having this kind of legislation, even though it would be possible, I mean, from a legal point of view, uh, would it be, would that be the most effective way? And I'm not sure about that. Uh, and that's both from legal, but then I don't even know morally if I think this is <laughs> the right way to go. So, so um, there are many aspects of this. Uh, but then there is another aspect which I think is interesting because... Um, uh, what John said was that, that civil rights defenders, what they actually looked at was the license they got here. So it wasn't like the bigger question was here. And there was um, a couple of years ago, there was, um, I don't know the English word now, I feel. Uh, Swedish. Et uh, uh, A white book. Yeah, there, there was a white book that came. And in this white book, they looked at how are we going to do uh, with political parties that want to address children in school. So they looked at what kind of political parties, what kind of organizations are allowed to enter school. And what they said then was that you need to have like neutral grounds to decide this in the sense that you can decide that it should be uh, all the parties that are in the communa, uh, in the municipality, for example, or all the parties that are in um, the parliament. And it's okay then to ban other parties from coming, but it has to be on objective grounds. So the question here is very interesting. So would it have been possible to say no, for example, for, I mean, the people arranging Almadal? Well, yes, probably if it would have been on objective grounds. But then you have to be very clear with what are the objective grounds. Uh, And I think this is a new question that many people haven't even started asking themselves. And that's why they become so confused when they are suddenly in this kind of situation so maybe what we should also do is to basically as also following up on both what you're saying is to to actually see how do we implement the current legislation i mean how do we actually ensure that that hate crime uh, hate speech uh, is is investigated is uh, prosecuted much more firmly and, and maybe this is also where civil society, uh, apart from, I mean, what, what you're already doing uh, in a very great way, but more could, could join in and there meet, need to be a more vibrant discussion uh, on some of these issues. I'm, I'm uh, very concerned and have also addressed it several times during the, these days here in Almedal and the issue of hate crime, which, uh, and that's not only Sweden, it's uh, uh, throughout Europe, it's uh, low investigated. I mean, just look at the arson attacks on uh, camps for asylum seekers. Somewhere or another, it's very, very difficult for the police to investigate it. And I simply don't understand it when we consider other sorts of arson which uh, attacks which happens in other places. Then the police is very efficient. When you compare the statistics uh, on, on the two sorts of arson attacks, the ones on uh, asylum uh, camps targeting asylum seekers uh, seemed there's a very little uh, low uh, rate of uh, 
of actually uh, in, of investigation into it or, or finding the, the perp- successful investigation where they uh, identify the perpetrators. So, I mean, that's just one issue. We, I think we probably need to be more vocal uh, against these groups, against these incidents, and I agree with you that it's, it's, the, uh, it's the actions that, that should be addressed uh, more than sort of the, just the, the mere presence. Uh, so. Well, yeah, I think you're you're very right in that. Uh, We need to find ways of of, uh, making legislation more effective and to make the police and prosecutors more effective. Something that I wanted to to bring up was also, I mean, there's a strong argument to be made that the, the issue of these Nazi organizations and them spreading their their message is not actually a question about the freedom of speech because looking at the European Convention um, actions that fall that are contrary to the intention of the Convention actually falls outside the ambit of the rights protected and that is what they are that is their message it's their message is completely contrary to the European Convention on Human Rights and thus does not have the protection uh, under the different provisions. Um, I think that's a, a, an important aspect when, when discussing these organizations in particular. Uh, also, I think you need to look at the context. Um, I mean, here in, in Almedalen, we have a certain context with a lot of uh, different organizations present that are have the contrary uh, stand against uh, the 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 beliefs and the message of of these organ these um, uh, Nordic resistance movement, um, and also you, you I think so. This is context context where we think that they should not be present. We would also argue that they should not. Uh, be allowed to demonstrate outside synagogues, for example. They should not be present there. Uh, they should not be demonstrating on certain days like Kristallnatten uh, that are, you know, special in, in some way. I think then you could also argue that in other contexts, maybe they should be allowed to assemble and demonstrate. But I think it, it, we, we need to discuss these, um, these issues more, uh, but also to be, uh, to be brave enough to draw a line. And I think what we often do, uh, Swedish authorities not least, is avoiding drawing the line by, by just saying that, by just referring to freedom of speech, freedom to assembly, uh, and then open the field completely well another issue that I think is really relevant is actually uh, what constitutes a hate crime so because today we have for example we can see there's quite a lot of hate crimes against people with disabilities and actually today in Swedish legislation when it comes to disability it's not considered to be a hate crime so I think actually the discussion is very important from many aspects right now because we can see hate crimes rising I mean all over Europe and also in Sweden so so I think it's important that we start having these discussions and I also think I'm very grateful I mean uh, that uh, the Raoul Wallenberg Institute actually in 
appreciates this and what civil rights defenders are doing because I think it's important that this discussion is not only a political discussion but actually a legally discussion because otherwise we we have a, we might be in a place very soon where we don't want to be so I think it's important to to actually look at it as a important human rights discussion to initiate and to take so to speak yeah Thanks a lot uh, to both of you uh, for for this discussion, which definitely uh, will not end here. Uh, and uh, we are sort of having this discussion, you could say, as Hannah said, we have had it before, and we are now having it again. But we are also in a time where we are in a major paradigm shift, where the democratic structures are weaker, being challenged more profoundly than we have seen before. So that may also demand that we change uh, some of our uh, human rights approaches or the way that we have seen not change the human rights but but change some of the the traditional approaches so thanks a lot for uh, i would say opening maybe this uh, this new chapter and let's continue the discussion uh, and uh, there's one thing i think uh, we all agree on is that much more action needs to be taken because this is really serious so thank you thank you thank you That was Morten Kerun, the director of the Raoul Wallenberg Institute, together with Hanna Yerdes, who is a lawyer who has worked for the Swedish Foundation for Human Rights and who today works with legal advisory, advocacy, and human rights trainings, as well as John Stoffer, who is the legal director at the NGO Civil Rights Defenders. That interview was recorded from Almedalen, where we are all week doing uh, different interviews with experts on human rights, international humanitarian law, and other important issues. We'll be back soon with another fresh episode of On Human Rights. Thanks for listening.